Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Mark Ebert, Senior Vice President of Sales at Sixth Sense, a revenue AI that reimagines the way teams create, manage, and convert pipeline into revenue. Listeners will know them well for illuminating the dark funnel using intent data. Well, Mark, you're an old friend, so we could chit-chat for a while, but we do dive right in on this show. Yeah, Jeremy, awesome to be on with you. Excited to have this conversation. As you reflect on your career, and I've, I've been following it for years, what's a sales initiative that you've been involved with that had a major impact on revenue performance? One that really changed the trajectory of our path here at Sixth Sense. Kind of a fun story to tell because it, it started with a, an experiment gone wildly right In our earlier stages of the company, we were surpassing about 25 million in revenue and and trying to come up with different ways to see a path to doubling in a year. And we actually started picking up a lot of signal on our product about demand from a market that we never prior focused on. We, We were known at that time as like strictly an enterprise grade predictive analytics company big black box. We don't quite know how all the magic works, but you know, we spit out really accurate predictions on companies that were ready to buy. And there was a significant amount of demand coming from the SMB segment that we just, we said, well, we don't have a price. We don't have a package. We have no way to deploy it kind of at that level. But as we continued to watch, you know, our website demand, our own, you, you know, using our own product, it was clear we needed to find a, some way so we took uh, one of our great AEs who was ready for more. And I said, how, how, are you, you interested in setting up a commercial sales exp- like experiment? You know, basically, can we figure out a way to price and package and deploy in service six cents down to companies that are you know, under at the time, it was under 300 employees. So a very small sliver, it was 50 employees up to 300 because that was the segment we saw so much demand. And what ended up happening was they were looking for three core things that we technically did already. They were prior being served by, you know, usually three different vendors. They were looking for intent data. They were looking for, you know, website de-anonymization. So they wanted to know who was coming to your website and they were looking for advertising. They wanted to be able to target ads to, to businesses. And so we scaled way down the sophistication of our product it turned into a, a by far the fastest growth segment of our of our company today. I have a tactical and a strategic question for you. In the days when people were in office, it was pretty easy to figure out based on an IP address where people were coming from. Then everyone started working from home. Are you still able to figure out what companies people are associated with when they're coming in through their through their home network? It's a great question. And yes, in the early days of COVID. We really had to get that talk track down because we got asked it, you know, nonstop. But, you know, and without getting overly technical, we kind of graph it together. So we, we were effectively tying the signals together. So once we authenticate that, yes, this this may be originating IP address or cookies, someone from Sixth Sense, then we start mapping all of the associated signals from there. So the home networks and if we start picking up that signal enough. The, the math behind uh, behind the graph starts starting to increase its um, probability that it's associated to Sixth Sense. 
Yeah, I imagine it is. It is tricky. It adds, adds a tremendous value. So the more strategic question is, so often people are incredibly focused on how do I move up market, right, from SMB to enterprise. We're doing the reverse today, which is on this conversation, which is moving enterprise to to SMB. You know, when you're, when you're going SMB to enterprise, you have all these privacy, security, reliability, uptime, data centers distributed throughout the world conforming to different standards and so forth. But what are the challenges in the reverse direction? Like what 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 hurdles, you, know, you mentioned pricing and packaging obviously as a hurdle, but what, what hurdles did you run into as you move towards SMB? The biggest one that we dealt with first was the perception that we were like a Ferrari and they were just trying to get in, you know, ride their first bicycle. So, you know, the concept of wrapping their head around predictive analytics and crunching all this data and doing really sophisticated data analytical work was too much, right? They, they weren't, they didn't even have the basic blocking and tackling down of, you know, even building an ad budget, let alone, you know, being targeted on where they're sending them. So we had a lot of work to basically simplify down what we were offering and how we communicated what we were offering. And it turned out to be the right move because, you know, it also gave us an instant upsell path, you know, within about 180 days, they were ready for more. And then we had a customer segment that grew in year, you know, after the first purchase pretty quickly. I imagine the pricing and packaging could be incredibly complex, right? Since you don't want to come in at a price that would cannibalize your your enterprise pricing. How did you ultimately resolve that? What, what approach did you take? We knew that smaller companies had just by nature, like less web traffic. They had less data for us to, to consume we had. And so we were able to basically put throttles on different packages that would fit into a, you know, your standard company under 300 employees, while that being perfectly justifiable for a price increase for the bigger companies. So although some of the core things that we did were the same, we were processing less data, we were tracking less behaviors. And so it allowed us to say, hey, for SMB companies under this employee range, we're pricing it here. And then as long as you stay within these parameters of different allocations that came inside of it, and that allowed us to price lower and then also allowed you know perfectly reasonable justification for when they graduated out of it. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the experiment. So you took one seller, it sounds like, an individual contributor seller, and put them on this task. That might be I can imagine that's a hard task for an individual, and and this is so strategic to the company. I would assume there needs to also be some kind of a a way for them to to get into marketing, into product, into the into the CEO, if you will. How did you choose the person and and empower them to be able to to have their single individual contributor working on a new risky initiative to be able to to get attention from others in the organization? His name is Mac. He always enjoyed working in what I, I can't, no one has spare time, but like on the margins of his day on process improvement stuff, just, you know, just as a rep and as a, he started managing. So he, he basically put together a presentation and he said, I think, I think we can go and do this. I think these are going to be our challenges, but I want to go do it. Can we like go sit with the exec team and pr- make a proposal to give it some budget and some funding? And so he he basically came up with the concept on his own. We ran it through the marketing team and myself, and then yeah, like it it made sense. So we 
we said, let's go. Um, and then the first thing that followed was we had another kind of challenge at the company that needed to be answered. And this also solved another problem we had, which was we had no promotion path for our BDRs. And we had a phenomenal, very talented business development organization, but they had kind of nowhere to go. There was no easy promote into a, you know, an SMB sale. So they all wanted to become sellers, but the jump into enterprise selling was, you know, at the time too big. And so we were losing them, you know, it was just hang on to them for as long as you could. And then we kind of expected them, they would turn out of the company. This gave us that path to get them into sales at a, at a place that made sense. So it solved that turned out to be probably one of the other things we net, we didn't even notice until later, you know, kind of a, a critical pivot in the company history that allowed us to now build such a strong business development engine and produce you know, great sellers at the same time. I work with a lot of companies who face the struggle that you just mentioned, which is they are pure enterprise companies. Maybe they don't have an immediate intent or ability to go into SMB. They want to stay enterprise and yet they run an SDR or BDR function and they don't know what to do. Given your experiences, I mean, imagine you didn't have this at Sixth Sense or, you know, even your experiences at some of the larger companies you've worked for, Oracle, Responses, Experian, right, where, you know, there may have been these strategic accounts organizations. What would you do from a career pathing point of view to, to give BDRs an opportunity to do something new? How do you solve that problem if, if you don't have the SMB sales channel as an option? Well, the first thing is if their desire is to carry a bag and sell, but they want to start earning, you know, sales commissions. It really is. I think the first step is figure out, do we have a commissionable role that we can either create, even if it's not, you know, a direct sales. So for example, maybe it's an overlay team or a solutions consulting team or a senior business development person. And so, you know, inside our, our business development team now, we've got several layers of promotion paths just inside of it with varying levels of responsibility as they go up. So there's that. And then on the flip side, if they if it's not necessarily that they desire to, to right out of the gate, go own a quota and carry bag and sell, there's so many other great organizations inside the company like Customer Success and all these other places that give you the experience and exposure of dealing with customers directly. I've heard companies say outbound sales development is not working anymore. And it may have been on a gradual decline historically and just has been exacerbated by people looking at efficiency metrics from a, a you know strategies and tactics point of view what what can companies do to overcome the challenges that they're having on on outbound prospecting it's about how do you make the team work smarter you don't need as many resources necessarily if you can find ways to to make them work smarter and at the most basic level without even like getting into sixth sense the first question is there likely remains demand or demand to be built somewhere in your addressable market. For some reason, they're resistant or hesitant, you know, to engage with your team, right? If outbound's not working or performing the way, the first question you got to answer is why? And what is the resistance and why aren't they taking the meetings? And second, can you solve for that? And then the other one is, are you sure you're capitalizing on where your demand actually is? And making damn sure you don't leave any, what we call here at, at Sixth Sense, like revenue moments un, un, unaddressed. Like every revenue moment needs to be captured and taken action on with like an outbound business development team. You know, and of course, that's that's kind of where we come into play. 
which is, hey, if someone's going to make 100 dials a day, we can statistically show you that we, you know, we can open more opportunities if it's a data-driven approach. So the data is now there to help point in the right direction, to make the teams more efficient. In the moments that we have left, is there a tactic or a campaign that when you did that kind of study internally in, in the recent past, you then put, put in place and it did have an impact on, on SDR performance? We're kind of crazy on being a data-driven outbound shop at Success. So probably the most innovative thing that we do here that works extremely well is, you know, we are scoring every account every day on the likelihood of them opening an opportunity based on like behavioral signals we pick up on, right? Web traffic, intent data, et cetera. And when the scores reach a certain point, we stamp it let's say it reaches an 80 out of 100. We stamp it and we treat it with as much rigor as we do an inbound lead. So I think like the one idea to to wrap your head around is, do you have a motion ready to work an account outbound as vigorously as you would making sure, you know, you've probably got an SLA on an inbound. Do you have an SLA on outbound? And when you do it, you can run a kind of a programmatic outbound business model and track it and report it. And how many touches today since it's stamped have we made to how many contacts? And it just makes the predictability of what you can produce every day a little more real. Well, thank you for sharing wisdom, both on on something you don't hear a lot about moving moving down market from enterprise to SMB, and then a few tricks and tips on the sales development side. Well, thanks for being on. I'm definitely going to have you have you right back for on episode two of your game for it. Oh, I would love to. Jeremy, let's do it. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time. <laughs>